Welcome back to the Speaking and Communicating Podcast. I am your host, Roberta. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, both professionally and personally, this is the podcast you should be tuning into. By the end of this episode, please remember to subscribe, give a rating and a review. Now, most of us struggle with injecting humor into our keynote speeches, into our business presentations. And my guest today, she's going to tell us exactly what it is that we need to do in order to improve that aspect of our speeches and presentations. Before I go any further, please help me welcome Jen McInnes. She is a keynote speaker and a comedian. Hi, Hi Jen. Hi, Roberta. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Which part of the U.S. are you in? Right now, my stuff is in Los Angeles. <laughs> my body's kind of all over the place, but that's where I'm based. Oh, you're a nomad. Okay, so you're yeah. in LA right now. Okay, yeah. so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, uh, thank you. I'm a keynote speaker, comedian, comedy writer, and author. Um, sold common material to everyone from uh, Jay Leno's Tonight Show monologue to radio stations and award shows, and also keynote speaking all around the country for the last 25 years comedy and keynote speaking. My keynotes are humor keynotes, but they have a great information. Uh, my most popular one is finding the funny in change. And, I've also and we've sold had a lot of changes recently. Yeah, one, yeah, one or two. Yeah. And I've also written two books. So you've written for Jay Leno. Yeah. I've uh, sold freelance mm -hmm. what he did years ago. This is dating me. He had a fax machine. <laughs> that shows how old we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what that is. <laughs> That technology that came and went in our lifetime, isn't that weird? <laughs> and it went so fast. I, I had a fax number even, yes. I was doing a temp job right after college when I saw the first fax machine and we all gathered around it. And it was a and sales company. We were watching it. We we're like, oh my gosh, Joe is in Kansas. Here comes the fax. You know? <laughs> it was so weird. Now it's, you know, oh gosh, that's so old. So years ago, he used to have a, a fax number and you had to jump through a few hoops as a comedian, but then you could get the fax number get approved, get the fax number and fax and jokes. So then you would either see him on TV or you get the check in the mail and you could call his assistant and find out which joke it was. So I did a lot of freelance jokes and um, that was a lot of fun. I was uh, actually ran into his head writer because a lot of comedians did this. And I ran into his head writer backstage at a comedy club a few years ago. And he's like, Oh, Jan McInnes. He said, uh, you're one of the comedians. We actually read the jokes. So, <laughs> so I was very, uh, felt very flattered to kind of recognize the name. So you wrote jokes good enough to bypass other comedians who had sent in the entries. And he, yeah. so some of the jokes we loved that you had written that he said on TV on his monologue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's fun. And I've written for radio. I've written for hundreds of radio stations because, you know, this jockey gets in in the morning and mm. they need stories. It's 4 a.m. And they, so they subscribe to a prep service and like and they'll get news stories. And so I'd be driving around the country and I'd hear a DJ say a joke. And I'm like, oh, I wrote that. Wow, <laughs> so, that's yeah. such a good feeling. Yeah, and so is. you left college and went straight into comedy? Uh, no, <laughs> oh, okay. I wanted to, I was never the class clown, but I always wanted to be thought comedian would be kind of fun, but I didn't know how to do it. Nobody in my family is in entertainment. So I, when I graduated from college, I remember the night of uh, graduation at dinner with my parents and my family and we're having this nice dinner and I'm thinking now is not the time to tell him I want to be a comedian. <laughs> so I went into a marketing career for about a dozen years back in the Washington DC area you know, I always kind of wanted to be a comedian still and finally got the nerve to try it. And um, it worked. 
started working comedy with the marketing career. And finally, after a couple of years, I left the marketing. And for a while there, when I left the marketing, went full-time into comedy, my marketing was better than my act. Because, <laughs> oh. you know, I knew how to do marketing. I knew right. how to promote myself. Finally, luckily, my act caught up and um, has surpassed my marketing now. <laughs> There's always a minute when you need to start. Don't wait until you're perfect. It's going to improve yeah. as you do it. Right. Get as prepared as you can. Mm -hmm. And you'll know when the jumping off time is. You'll get a sense for when you need to leave. I know people leave too soon. Some people stay forever and never leave. Some people mm -hmm. wait too late and miss the whole boat. I actually had a couple of starts and stops. I got on stage a comedy club in the 80s, which was the boom, the big. There was comedy on every street corner, and you could make a lot of money just in a small radius. Mm -hmm. And I got on stage once and kind of freaked out, it was, the lights and everything, but I did really well. But I left that night. One of the professional comedians came up and said, you've got to do this again. You have to. And I, wow. I was so freaked out. I waited eight years before I got back on stage and missed the whole comedy boom. <laughs> Even though he gave me encouragement. Yeah. And I had a great show. It was so scary. And um, mm -hmm. waited eight years, got back on it. And uh, yes, a few starts and stops, but finally made it into comedy. Then went from comedy to um corporate comedy. So all I knew was comedy clubs, working comedy clubs, which was great. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. them. But I, in my day job, I had hired the Capitol Steps, which is a comedy singing troupe out of DC. I remember watching them at this banquet and thinking, well, I wonder if there's other banquets that would use comedy. And yeah. I would ask around my friends and they were like, no, there's just Christmas parties. It's not really that I kept thinking, no, there's got to be some corporate and convention comedy. And finally, I got a few opportunities and uh, moved into that. I capitalized on those. I was always a clean act anyway. Mm -hmm. Moved into that and then uh, did that for years. And then at one point, I think it was around 2008, people started saying, hey, we want comedy, but we really need a message too. And I was like, okay. Right. So I put together some humor keynotes, which lots of comedy, but lots of also great tips. And I moved into keynote speaking. So. Mm -hmm. Kind of a roundabout way. I'm doing a career I never knew existed. I'm a keynote speaker. <laughs> keynote speaker with comedy. Yeah. And then speaking of when you said you were with your parents after graduation and you couldn't tell them you're going to comedy, <laughs> you remind me of, so me being a South African, Trevor Noah is my homeboy. Oh yeah, and he's great. When, <laughs> thank you. I love him as well. So his grandma, when he first started doing his show, before he came to The Daily Show, he used to say, oh, guess what, Granny? I'm doing so well. Do you have a job? He said, yes. He said, do you have an office? He says, no. He said, then you don't have a job. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Grandma's mind, the real job is when you have an office and you actually sit there on a desk right. for work. <laughs> this thing of standing and making people laugh, it did not make sense to her. <laughs> you know, most people, it's a hard leap because... It is such an odd thing and we kind of wait for permission. Someone's going to tell me it's okay to do this. And, you know, you're going to wait a long time if you wait for that. You got to just try it. Work, mm -hmm. not try it, do it. Just jump off and do it once you're ready. And once you're, you're as prepared as you can be with the day job you have, then you just need to make that decision and move in. Right. When you start on those comedy clubs, those open mic platforms, does it discourage you when the guests, the audience don't laugh at quite a good number of your jokes? Well, when you start out, you get a lot of that. But as it moves on, usually you don't get so much. But now you kind of also kind of gauge the crowd. You know, I know my first few jokes are great. If they kind of laugh down here instead of up here, mm -hmm. I go, okay, that's the way they are. And different groups laugh differently. 
some groups are more reserved if you have i don't know a bash in a group accountants are a little quieter they kind of analyze the joke a little bit you know right so, if you look at, so i know that so i go in and I go okay that's the way they are then have fun with it you know have mm-hmm. fun with it most people are having a good time you just may not get the taking the roof off the place that you have in the past mm. when you start off what are some of the things that you can do just to warm up the room before you get into the material? Obviously, you prepared. But what are some of the things you can do just to warm the crowd up, to warm up to you? And, and- well, I do uh, ahead of time. I always have a client call. So I find out about the group. And so I find a couple of things I can connect with them on when I so when I get on stage and have some fun with some of the stuff they've been sitting through, some of the what's been going on with their day or their convention and kind of point out some stuff like that. And that's a nice way to kind of get things rolling with the crowd. And then mm-hmm. I go in and with my keynotes and I'll go into some humor and then I move into some tips and back and forth humor and tips, that sort of thing. I watch one of your videos where you talk about your nephew and you guys had been to a restaurant oh. and in the field came <laughs> $50, he said, Dad, you let her have it. It's 50 bucks. Yeah. And you said he was voicing out something that was in a lot of other people's yeah. minds on the table, which I we tend you. to do. There's a lot of, that's going on. And if somebody comes to a public platform and says already what we're thinking, they'll be like, right. yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> a lot of communities do that. We talk about getting the big elephant out. And I talk about, you know, how that's one technique in business humor that you can use to find humor fast. With comedians, that's how kind of how we start. If, as a comedian, if you're really tall or really overweight or you have a noticeable disability or or you look like a famous comedian, you need to say something about it right away. Otherwise, people won't pay attention. Sort of like in business, if, if you've just had some big change, some big thing happen and you sit down to a staff meeting and you're not going to talk about it, everyone's still thinking about it. They're not going to pay attention to what you say. So you kind of have to use a little bit of humor to kind of get that out. Um, and comedians are good with what's the first thing you see? What is on everyone's mind when you get on stage so that you can have some fun with it and move on and kind of clear the air and, and point out what's going on and move on. So say, for instance, something as serious as COVID, would some people think that's gone a little too far? This is serious. You think there's a joke in this when people are dying? You know how sometimes people yeah. respond? Well, I'd have to say that pretty much any subject you can find some humor. You can't maybe talk about COVID. It was very serious. You can't joke about that, but you can joke around COVID, like what we look like wearing masks or what we look like six feet apart. You can have some jokes around the subject. You don't make fun of COVID because you're right. People did die. So don't shy away if you want to say something, but I would also say, watch the overdone stuff. I mean, people have heard mm-hmm. about COVID. They've heard a lot of COVID jokes. I mean, I would stay away from those anyway, because they're, they're very overdone. I I did a show for 500 blind merchants and they said, they put in my contract, you cannot do any blind jokes because they've heard them all. And they had a very great sense of humor, but they've heard them all. So watch the overdone subjects, but most subjects you can't maybe not talk about it, but you can talk about the things around it. You know, you can talk about the weight gain you've gained because of sitting at your house for two years eating ice cream. You can talk about things around it. You just can't make fun of COVID. It was very serious, I think, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's around it and not the actual, actual subject, which brings me to, but some comedians like Chris Rock, I don't know if you know the Justice Smollett story. He used to be on a TV show called Empire and there oh, was something, something, right? He yeah. Faked. Something about a hate crime around him. Or yeah. Something yeah. He got beat up. So it had just happened. Chris Rock was hosting something and the very first thing he said, the elephant in the room again, the very yeah. first thing he said was, I have just been told no Justice Smollett jokes. And then the moment he said that, he go, 
what the hell was he thinking? And he starts choking up, but the parent <laughs> thing was told not to do this. Okay, and that's the difference in star power. You hired Chris Rock. You're not going to tell Chris Rock what to say and what not to say. Me, you hired me, you can probably tell me you can't say that. But Chris Rock, you know the kind of comedian. He's hilarious. He's going to say what is going on in the world. And mm. you can't tell him what not to say. That's the beauty of comedy clubs in general. Corporate's a little different. You really have to stay away from some subjects if you're like me and not right, well known. Right. But comedy clubs and venues like that, you get the comedian saying what they want. They're freeing. It's live. Mm -hmm. It's in the moment. And no cancel culture. I think you're getting a live show with the person you came to see and you should take it for what it is that you go into Chris Rock show. You know, if you walk out offended, you know what Chris Rock talks right. about. And if you don't like the subjects, you don't like the news stories. You don't like his take on it. That's fine. But I don't think you should be offended. I think you're going in to see that Chris Rock. If you go in to see an unknown comic and they go off, maybe you, you were blinded by something that you didn't realize. But I'm on the side of the comedian. I think you say mm -hmm. you say what you want in comedy clubs and in um, you know big theater venues and people know you and they know what to, to expect and they know what to expect it and they're for. here for they're paying for a live show you may not like it okay people don't like all sorts of things the comedians you might not like a joke just because you don't think it's funny uh, you mm -hmm. might not like a joke because you don't like the subject there's all sorts of reasons not to like a joke but comedians are allowed to say it can't please everybody and then when it comes to business presentations speaking of the elephant in the room again when you say you can use that you know if something changed in the workplace Give us some examples. What can we do? Let's say there's something that has just happened and it's on everybody's mind. I would say you have to sit down and use some humor with it and have some fun. You know, you can bring it out easy ways. You can make a top 10 list of things we wish this hadn't happened or how we're going to deal with this. Have some fun with it. You know, good news, bad news, you know, some of those things to kind of get the big elephant out and let people know, okay, she or he knows what we're dealing with, but you can mm. use some humor in those and get people laughing that way. The worst thing you can do is ignore, ignoring. I think is, if you've had not... something big that is ever on everyone's mind and you're going to sit down and you're not going to talk about it at a staff meeting or something, you, you're going to um, lose people. So humor is a fast way to address it and move on. So when you do keynotes, we talk a lot in this podcast about storytelling, always have a story. People will remember the story, not the technical concept you talk about. I may tell the story. I still struggle with injecting humor, the right kind of humor, the right amount of humor. What is it that we are missing and what can we do to improve <laughs> on that? <laughs> well, there's humor all around us. We just got to look for it, pull out the ironies. You know, what are the, the disconnects, the things that don't make sense? Have some fun with that. You can add humor to your story. I'll send you one of my books. Oh, yes. <laughs> my please. book on writing humor, finding the funny fast. Yes. Um, yes, Thank but you. I think the stories are important, but I think you, people will will remember you if you're funny and you make them feel good. I just did an event last week and the speaker ahead of me got a great response. I did not hear her keynote, but when I got walked in the room, someone pulled me over and said, you're not going to make people cry again, are you? And I said, well, if I do, I'm doing it wrong. And so so <laughs> some people want to get an emotion out by telling a really sad story. That's not me. I don't do the sad stories. I do a few stories, funny things, short stories, and lots of jokes information plus emotion equals retention so if you give people oh, an emotion like humor yes. and some information they will remember because usually when we talk about storytelling and the emotional attachment to whatever it is you're talking about it's usually the oh i can relate oh i had a similar experience that's what we right. usually focus on 
Yeah. Humor, the emotion, the laughter is we don't talk about it so much. Right. You might not remember my name, but you'll walk away going, oh, that was funny and refreshing. You change the energy and gives you a little mm. bit of a little bit more energy. So for me, I like doing humor more than um, any serious, sad stories. Mm -hmm. So you can have an irony, a punchline, like as comedians, that's what you do. There's that pause before the, the irony or the punchline comes in. Yeah. You do a setup punch, setup punchline for uh -huh. me. And comedians are master communicators. You know, we if you go to see Chris Rock, you kind of know what his humor is about. So you kind of know what you're going to get. For me, no one knows who I am. So I've got about 60 seconds to make people laugh when I get on stage because they don't know anything about me. So I have to get a lot of information over in the setup line mm -hmm. so that people get the punchline. Because I don't do long stories. I do quick three or four jokes a minute. So what we do with comedians, we a couple of things, we will repeat the main thing we want you to know in the setup line, you know. I became an aunt again. Now that my sister has kids, I've said that I'm an aunt twice, and then I go into the joke. So you know I'm talking about being an aunt. We do it in short sound bites. We don't do it like a lot of information at once because that's too much. You know, mm. I'm an aunt and I have a kid, niece and nephew. That's too much information in one sentence. So short sound bites and repeat it. If I feel like, okay, I'm not good like Jen, I don't know how to make a joke out of my material, should I do the the doctor and the judge walk into a bar kind of jokes? Are they lame? Uh, kind of, to me, they're lame. You know what I do instead? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, my sister actually one time in college started off with a joke. She said, uh, you know, my dad told me to start off all my speeches with a joke so you can get people laughing. I don't know any jokes. And that got a big laugh. So there you go. Or, no, no, no. She, she said, but I've never listened to my dad's advice yet. So, and it got a big laugh. So talking about the fact that you don't do humor, you can also add in, I'd say, you know, cartoons. And as long as you've got the rights, there's places you can buy cartoon rights from that mm -hmm. show people you have a sense of humor. Taking um something as simple as, uh, you know, idioms, the uh, things that that's not people in Congress, that's our, <laughs> yes. those are sayings that we know, like the cat's out of the bag. Yes, idioms that people know, like little sayings that people know, you can change those around. Mm -hmm. Rome was not built in a day. That's an idiom. You know, change around. Yeah. Rome was not built in a day. And uh, those are really fast ways to change, add some humor into your speech. So look up idioms and then just change them. People are uh, familiar with them. They recognize them. And then you t put a little twist as if something funny at the end, you know. Mm -hmm. Rome was not built in a day and neither was this keynote. That's why I don't have any jokes. That's you know, a good something. one. You, and you just yeah. come up with this, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's amazing. And then what about self-deprecating humor? Do you think it's harmful? Because, you know, we listen to all this self-improvement stuff and we want yeah. to tell ourselves positive things and affirmations. Is it good to use self-deprecating humor and laugh at ourselves? I think so. You don't want to be mean to yourself. But, you know, I have big feet. I talk about my size 12 AAA shoe. And people connect. They, after those shows, they're always like, oh, I've got a size 10, you know, and where do you shop and that sort of thing. So certainly find something self-deprecating. Don't make fun of a group you're not a member of. If you're bald, you can have fun with bald people. If you're not, don't. If you're 10 pounds overweight, you could talk a little bit about trying to get rid of that last 10 pounds. If you're not, don't. Nobody wants to hear skinny chick talk about losing weight. Yeah. Only make fun of a group you're a member of. Then you because can that's still an element of self-deprecating because you also talk yes. about yourself if you're part yes. of that group. And you're ah. connecting, right, if you're part of that group. So, yeah, if you're a woman, you can have fun with women. If you're African-American, you have fun with that. If mm -hmm. you're not, don't, don't do it. If you just want to stay on the safe side. I mean, again, right. Chris Rocks of the world can say whatever the heck they want. But those of us that are not Chris Rock famous, we got to be a little more uh, cautious. Yeah, just like me, I don't have kids, so I can't yeah. say something funny about moms. Right, yeah. right. I, I joke about my nieces and nephews a lot. I don't talk about motherhood because I've never had a kid. 
Joke about what mm-hmm. you know. What do you do? Are you on some weird diet? Do you never eat ice cream? Do you, you know, just joke about the stuff. Do you run 20 miles a day? I mean, what are the things you know? Have some fun with that. You'll connect with people. A lot of people do a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to those in leadership positions, I think that a lot of the time there's this myth that, oh, if I'm in a leadership position in order to be taken seriously, my subordinates are not going to respect me if I'm cracking jokes. I should always be business and you should. Oh, I, think they, I think they respect you more if you show a little bit of vulnerability with some humor, but and show your human side, if they respect you a little bit more. And again, you are not talking as, as anyone in business. You're not trying to be a comedian. You're not popping off with 20 minutes of jokes. You're popping off with a funnier, ha ha, let people take a, a breath and change the energy a little bit. You're not trying to be Chris Rock. So leaders should, I think they should show their vulnerable side. I've I've had leaders, actually. I've joked around with them. Usually people in leadership positions I can joke on, I can have fun with, not mean, but just, and one guy I recall vividly coming up to me later and saying, thank you for having fun with me. I look more human to my staff. Wow. He was really happy about it. So as long as I'm not mean, I'm not going to go up there and say, hey, look at the leader. He's got, he's wearing a funny shirt or he's bald or, you know, but you're going to have some fun maybe with his policies or something he's said or done or what he, he likes to golf. Is he a bad golfer? Is he a good golfer? You know, fine. And you get all that when I do an interview ahead of time with my clients and I find out about the group and the people in it. Then I I can find some fun, tasteful humor that people will go, ah, because laughter is about a connection. It's not just about Mm -hmm. finding something so funny people laugh. They connect and laugh. They, oh, yes, we get it. I'm doing the Baby Boomer comedy show now. And people connect when you talk about Baby Boomer stuff because they think it's funny because they live through it. Riding without helmets, bicycles without helmets, things like that. They connect and that makes it funny relatability and that's when your audience connects with you that's one obviously they're not going to forget your message or you and it's going to be something that they say you know what this was really enjoyable they might not remember the technicalities of what you talked about but it's really something that they enjoyed sitting they enjoy and i'm brought in a lot of times when the conferences are well i do everything from healthcare, education financial they've had heavy 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 content and so they need something to lighten it up it's a little lighter content but still some good usable tips, but also some way to just kind of relax, laugh a little bit and mm-hmm. recharge. At Toastmasters, they say, stay away from sex, religion, politics, because those are the topics that yeah. you know can go either way. You can offend people. You don't know which group belongs to who. So it's better to just oh, stay yeah. away from those. In comedy clubs, can you at least cross over that line? Is it a little safer to do that? Yeah, I think you can say in comedy clubs, they're paying you to be funny. I mean, that's the right. one rule. They're paying you to be funny. And if you're funny, then you're fine. I know comedians who are right-wing and left-wing comedians, and they, they go out there. And I know comedians who cross all over the lines and make fun of both. In comedy clubs, it's, it's way more freeing. You've got to be funny. You can be dirty. You can be clean. You can be religious. You can be whatever it is, but you got to be funny. Right. Back to the comedians, right, and council culture. We have Dave Chappelle. I think he was about to be canceled for a joke he made about transgender people. And like you said, if you are not part of the group, maybe that's why you should think twice about making fun of a group you are not part of. I don't remember the joke and I did not pay much attention to that. We get a lot of our news from the late night TV shows that are funny. Right, right. And so he's giving information. Uh, I don't know what he was saying. I don't remember what it was. I don't know we'll what it was, but it, it, it just blew up on the news. And you know, you know yeah. how social media just, that has become a news source. Yeah, well, a lot of stuff is taken out of context. So unless mm. you're in the room, 
and you saw the whole thing and he really went and I just can't comment on it because I wasn't there that yeah, night. And yeah. that's the problem with comedians. Now that people are taking little clips of what they said and putting it out there, or even comedians are having trouble, famous ones, um, trying out new material because somebody puts a clip of that. Yeah. It's like, and it's not funny because your first time saying it sometimes isn't funny. You know, if you're just trying to work on something and someone says, oh my gosh, look what he or she said. That's not really fair to the comedian. You know, 20 years ago, when you saw a comedian, you saw that they had not been all over Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram. And so you, you're seeing their jokes that they've, they've done behind the scenes and workout clubs for years mm -hmm. and they're polished. Nowadays, you're seeing comedians unpolished and they're trying stuff out. So we're rushing to judgment on some of that. Because it also relates to the very famous Chris Rock incident at the Oscars. I'm on the side of the comedian. I just feel you're a star, celebrity. Like I said, they come there knowing they're going to be poked at. I mean, right, right. That's part of the gig. It was a joke I didn't even register with me. I was like, oh, that's, it didn't make me mad or happier either way. I didn't really think much of the joke when he said it. And violence is just never the answer. If you're mad about something, you know, no. it would have been better if you had stormed out of the room and let him know it. But even that, again, you're in this position of celebrity. It's not, may not be fair. I've never been a celebrity that people can mm -hmm. poke at you and make fun of you. I don't know. But um, you fair game because, I mean, Ricky Gervais, the British one. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they ask him to host them, he roasts. All of them, Tom Hanks, yeah. Spielberg, you name it, it everybody's for a game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? He's funny, yeah. He's very funny. And he goes in for the kill, the very things that everybody's afraid to say, the elephants yeah. in the room he that does, yeah. you hear about in this in this documentaries and scary things. He goes all out. He is not afraid of any subject or right. anybody for that and, matter. And we don't want to start a precedence with hitting people because you don't agree with what no. they said they said something that you don't like because so. then after that incident then everybody's asking are comedians safe are they safe not just from violence but are they safe to tell the jokes they wanted to tell when they prepare because now are people going to come and slap you as well right right is that where we're going with this because i remember growing up we used to watch american sitcoms and tv shows and be like they make fun of the president oh my goodness oh, <laughs> Americans are really free, right? This freedom, this level of no filters, everybody understands it's a joke. So the president of the country is not going to put you in jail just because you made fun of him. Right, right, right. Yeah. Hmm. I, I did have one, I have to say I had one corporate event probably 10 or 15 years ago. And I talked to the committee ahead of time. They had all gave me great information. And I got on stage and I did not realize their president CEO was from a different country. And I made jokes about the company. Just so, It was a very funny company. I can't say what it was, but it was very mm -hmm. funny. And uh, it had to do with maxi pads, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't make a lot of maxi pad jokes. And I started in and he was not happy. And after about three jokes, I went into my act. I dropped it and he was really angry. And later the, I felt terrible and the committee was like, they were hilarious, Jana. We gave you permission to do that. He's from another country. He didn't un understand the culture of joking about the company, like my jokes were tasteful, they weren't dirty and they weren't mean-spirited or anything. The committee understood that and they hired me to do that, but they did not get approval from their CEO. And so that was, you know, a little bit of awkwardness. It's you don't joke about a company. Again, it wasn't mean-spirited, it wasn't dirty jokes, it wasn't mm -hmm. anything bad, but- Cultural differences. 
Yeah, yeah, cultural differences for sure. Yeah. So Jen, what is one last tip you can share with us on how to be better in injecting humor in our keynotes? I would say do the humor that you think is funny. You will sell it more. You'll have fun doing it and start small. Try a few jokes, one or two, because comedians start with three minutes at an open mic. We don't start with 45 or 60 minutes because we can't hold the audience that long. Uh, so just start uh, out with a little bit of humor and add it in there and you'll get some good reaction. You'll have people laughing and you'll kind of get that bug to do it some more. So I would say start small and do the humor you think is funny that you truly do. You'll sell it. You'll feel good doing it and you'll enjoy doing it. A lot of our listeners are mostly tech people. Okay. And they are classified as nerds by our society. Do you think they can also <laughs> find humor in being a nerd? Yes, yes, yes. I, I do a lot of humor keynotes at tech companies. They have a great sense of humor. They really do. Yes, of course. They aren't just guys and girls sitting there on coding on a computer. You know, they've got a good sense of humor. So uh, try it, do it, have some fun with it. And again, mm -hmm. don't worry so much about bombing or just have fun. Do it for yourself sometimes and bring people on board for the ride. Don't worry. Don't wait for permission for people to say, oh, you can be funny. You can use humor. Just do it. Try it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been so much fun. I Thank love, you. I love the yeah, humor of the thanks. conversation itself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And can I plug my website or is that? Uh... Yes, I'm about to ask you for your socials ah. before you go. Yeah, no, go Perfect. ahead. Uh, yeah, website is theworklady.com. Theworklady.com. I do a lot of office humor and uh, nobody can spell McInnes. So the okay. then social media will be jan.mcinnis, M-C-I-N-N-I-S. Uh, that's Instagram and um janfans.com go to that and that's my facebook uh, business page okay i will write it on the show notes too so that they Super get the do. spelling of mckinnis that's ah, right thank you so much thank, thank you. you so much and have a wonderful day bye you too take care